Welcome to Moving Forward. I'm your host, Lynn Swanner. On this podcast, I'll interview forward-thinking Christian school leaders and educators on best practice, innovative approaches, and new opportunities in Christian education. In this month's interview, I swap places with a colleague and friend, Dan Behrens, who is a senior fellow at the Center for the Advancement of Christian Education. Dan interviews me and my co-author, Roger Erdvig, headmaster at Wilmington Christian School, about our new book on service learning in Christian schools. Service learning helps students connect their classroom learning with genuine service to their communities. This helps them to not only master academic concepts better and learn how to apply them in real life, it also helps them grow in their understanding of how God has uniquely fashioned them for His restoration work in the world. Lynn, thanks so much for asking me to serve today's guest interview, and Roger, it's great to have a chance to talk with Lynn and you today about your new book entitled, Bring It to Life, Christian Education and the Transformative Power of Service Learning. So let's start with how both of you became interested in service learning. So Dan, before I came to Christian Education about 10 years ago, I worked in higher education for about a decade, and I played a bunch of different roles. I was an administrator, a faculty member, and I also was an educational researcher. And so I spent a significant amount of time conducting research on service learning, and I also did some grant work related to it. So when I came into Christian education, I sort of brought service learning along in my thinking as a powerful way to really engage students in their learning and really to help them develop their ability to serve others in meaningful ways. So when I came over into Christian education, I was looking to see how uh, what I had learned with service learning in other settings might apply. Great. Yeah, mine was a little different than Lynn's. Um, I actually came to service learning sort of uh, as the the culmination of a journey. The journey started, I was sitting in a workshop with a well-known biblical worldview expert and uh, just asked the question. And the question was, given that the biblical worldview is different from any other worldview, how ought we to teach as teachers, Christian school educators? Is there a different way to teach that will better elicit the development of a biblical worldview in our students? And mm-hmm. uh, the, the odd thing was the, uh, the presenter, you know, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but the, the presenter really didn't have a really good answer. It was almost as if, oh, we never really thought about that. So that, that really started me on a quest to find specific pedagogies that we could harness to serve this grand idea of developing a biblical worldview in our students and uh, service learning became just that type of pedagogy. And so Lynn and I both worked together implementing service learning at a particular K-12 Christian school and uh, saw it really effective. And hopefully we'll get to talk to to that issue a little bit later. Um, But then we also worked with other Christian schools who were looking to implement service learning and just found over and over again that uh, for many Christian school teachers and leaders who want to develop a biblical worldview in their students, they say, wow, this this is it. This, This is the way we can do that. That's terrific. Really moving it from the head and heart into the hands, right? Exactly. Yep. And then it's not just a head knowledge. It's also, as you said, Dan, sort of a heart and a hand uh, knowledge, if you will, or being Mm -hmm. able to to feel and to do. So they put that understanding into actual practice through service learning. We found this to be really um, compelling when we work with schools is service learning helps students to really understand their place in the narrative arc of scripture meaning, you know, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. 
they can really see how God uniquely created them in his image. Um, they have gifts and abilities that they've been endowed with by their creator, but uh, they need to use those to address the needs they find in a fallen world. And we think about sickness and we think about um, poverty and we think about a uh, crisis, you know, those are results of the fall. And so uh, our students can use those abilities and those gifts to really do a couple things, share the good news of the gospel as they meet other people's practical needs and also fulfill the greatest commandment. So they love others as themselves. And so it's not just saying, hey, go out there and, and do good works and, and be an agent of restoration. It's actually showing them how to do that. And that's something they're going to need for their whole lives as believers. Those are really excellent points um, from both of you. And I'm just curious, how did the book come about? Uh, you both obviously have experience and passion for this work. And um, you're just interested how you came up with the title as well for this particular book. Yeah, great question. As we've talked with Christian school leaders or worked with Christian schools and in talking about service learning or presenting on it, we really received uh, numerous uh, requests from people saying, hey, we want something that we can take home from a seminar or teaching or something like that to use. We want a roadmap for service learning. So before we actually started writing it, we scoured every possible source that we could to find a distinctively Christian roadmap uh, for mm. service learning. And it's just mm. not out there. I mean, there are a number of guidebooks related to service learning, and there's mm -hmm. some books out there related to serving and, mm. and serving well. But as far as the unique and very specific pedagogy of service learning, it's just not out there from a Christian perspective. Uh, mm -hmm. So we wrote this book literally to be a guidebook. And in the book, we break down distinctively Christian service learning into a set of tasks. And these are each organized into specific chapters. So the tasks include defining service learning, framing out service learning from a biblical worldview perspective, uh, guiding service learning through actual standards. So it's just not willy-nilly out there serving, but real specific standards that, that you can look at to guide how you do it. Um, how teachers can design actual service learning projects, how school leaders need to support it. And that's something we talk a lot about. And finally, how do you assess it? How do you know it's working? How do you know it's providing the kind of outcomes that you want? And we wanted the book to be as intensely practical as possible. So we give lots of resources, uh, several worksheets and templates that we've actually used with success in Christian schools who adopted service learning as a full uh, school perspective. So we also provide little stories, case examples, vignettes to illustrate key concepts, which are based directly off of our work with actual Christian schools and service learning experiences. And uh, we wanted school leaders and teachers to really use the book as a tool to launch or strengthen what they're already doing at their schools with service learning. So there's next steps and discussion questions in, in each chapter as well. So we, we really encourage schools to, to look at this book as not just theoretical, although we include some of the theoretical framework in it, but really a very practical roadmap toolkit for successfully implementing service learning. So that's really the heart of how we came up with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I can, I can share the story of how we came up with the title. It's an, it's an interesting story. It's, it's something that, uh, that happened to me while I was uh, actually leading a focus group of students. The, the title sort of emerged from that. And so the title of the book, obviously, is Bring It to Life. Um, and I was leading the student focus group for strategic planning, actually, for school. And I had about eight students there. And one of the students was not talkative at all. I mean, he was kind of slouched over on the table and sort of gave yes or no answers. Mm. 
And it was, it you know, really stood out. I'm not sure if he wasn't feeling well that day or what exactly was going on. And so we got down to the end of the focus group. The other students were great. They were very talkative. And so I decided I'd go ahead and ask him a direct question, see maybe if I could wake him up a little bit. And mm-hmm. I knew that this particular student, um, so he was a senior the year before his class had been involved in a really extensive service learning project uh, that was linked to their English and history courses. And they had partnered with a local uh, veterans group with a, a VFW hall. So they'd been in a Veterans Day parade. They'd been to some of the group's meetings. They had hosted some of the veterans in their classes. And the culminating event that they had done was this Veterans Night. So they had invited about 50 veterans all, from all different wars, all different walks of life to the school campus, they served them dinner and they interviewed them about their military service. And later they wrote up those stories and put them in a biography project and shared that with the veterans. So I knew this particular student who was pretty like tired or whatever was going on with him, not very animated, had been a part of that project. So I turned to him and I said, so I know that you did a service learning project with the veterans last year. Can you tell me a little bit about it? And again, you know, I was hoping just to wake him up a little bit, but I was not prepared for a response. This kid, (laughs) he sat bolt upright in his chair. He literally banged his fist on the table. He looked me straight in the eye and he almost yells out in a really loud voice. I would do that again in a heartbeat. (laughs) And so everyone at the table sort of jumps back, surprised. I was surprised and and I, I could barely put together any kind of language to respond to. I think I managed something like, well, well and, and why is that? And I'll never forget his response. And this, this became the, actually the basis of the book title. He said, because it brought it all to life. Mm-hmm. And cool. what a simple thing to say, but what a mm-hmm. profound thing to say. And, and, and Roger mm-hmm. and I have spent a lot of time mulling that over in the years since. And what does that mean? Like, what is the it? It brought it all mm-hmm. to life. And, and I think it's a few things. You know, the first is service learning brought everything that the student was learning in the classroom to life. So instead of just textbook knowledge about veterans or how to write an essay, you know, his learning really came alive through his relationships with the veterans and really interacting with their stories. Right. And then I think, too, service learning brought what the student was learning in the classroom to life. In other words, he could see how his knowledge about literature and his knowledge about history could be applied in practical ways to really, you know, engage real people, to meet real needs, to encourage them, to develop empathy and build relationships uh, with people who really valued that. The other thing is just judging by his body language. I mean, the it, I mean, brought it to life. I mean, it brought the student to life. I mean, here's a kid who was sort of slouched over and not very engaged. And just the very mention of something he'd done literally a year ago just brought him, you could see in his body language, just brought him completely to life. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you know, the, the banner verse that we typically use with schools when talking about service learning is Ephesians 2.10. You know, for we mm-hmm. are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I think service learning really brings that scripture to life for students. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it, it helps them see how they can use their skills and abilities, how they can combine that with classroom learning and how they connect it all in meaningful service to others and to the Lord. And so when we talk about the mission work of Christian schools, I think service learning brings all of that to life for students. That's great. So I guess Christian schools do service experiences. Those are common. 
I think reading, having read the book, I, I appreciated how much you differentiated and, and uh, that definition really gave a specific definition of service learning. Can you talk about that definition and why are those differences important between the typical service we do and the kind of service learning you're talking about in the book? Yeah, we, we find we often have to spend a lot of time talking through the differences and not to do it in a way that discredits the service that's already going on, but instead provide a pathway to harness the power of service for more effective means. We'll unpack that. We did unpack that in the book and probably as we talk more today, we will. But when you look at service learning specifically, it's a type of pedagogy of learning and teaching technique that intentionally takes what the students are learning in the classroom and directly so not by inference, not where you have to do all kinds of mental uh, calisthenics to get there, but directly connects that learning with authentic service opportunities outside of the school. And mm. kind of the linkage between learning in the classroom and learning by serving is reflection. Um, mm. And we provide a, a lot of examples in the book, um, but to share one quickly here, one of our favorite stories is of an upper elementary teacher who used her math curriculum as the basis for a service learning project for her students. So in upper level elementary math, we're looking at graphing, we're looking at plotting charts and things like that. So what normally they do, and I'm, I'm very familiar with fourth grade or fifth grade curriculum, they'll go home and they'll graph the number of windows in their house, or they'll do a survey of what type of ice cream is a kid's favorite, and they'll graph those things. Well, instead of doing that, they connected with a local food pantry and basically through their basic graphing and basic statistical analysis on that upper elementary grade level, they kept inventory for the local food pantry. But it didn't stop there. They also went on distribution outreaches with the food pantry a few times during the year, as well as going on a shopping field trip to a grocery store to buy supplies for the pantry. So in addition to tracking students learning through their journals, the teacher also found, and this is where we really get to see the bread and butter and the meat of how service learning impacts the actual classroom learning. Because this teacher found that consistently students scored better on unit tests mm. as a result of going through service learning or correlated with service learning than those mm. who had not used service learning in the past. So if I'm a principal or head of school that's doing some wonderful um, types of service experiences, but they really wouldn't qualify as service learning in your definition, uh, what would you suggest to me? Are those experiences still impactful? How would I transition and what would be the next steps for me? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And we, we do get that a lot. And the place we always start with schools is to ask them to do an audit of where they are and where their students are serving. And so a lot of times as a school leader, uh, you may not know all the places in every grade and every classroom where students are doing service projects. I think especially because our teachers are wonderful Christian teachers and a lot of times they have connections with their church or they just naturally serve. And so there could be something going on in a class that you're not even aware of. So the first thing is to really understand where this is going on in your school to really map it out because it's really hard to know how you're doing as a school or where you want to go if you don't even know what you're actually doing. So, you know, once you create that list of all the places and times the students are serving, then you can really step back and you can take a look at the total impact that service experiences are having on your students. Really the main question that we find is so helpful 
as leaders in Christian schools are kind of processing through this idea and reflecting on it is this question, how intentional have you been in providing service experiences to students? You know, is it, is it haphazard or is it regularly planned throughout the year so that there's this ongoing development of a heart to serve, connecting it with the curriculum, et cetera? Or is it just kind of haphazard and, and shotgun approach where it may happen this year, it may not, and there's, there's not a lot of consistency to it. So that's one of the main evaluative or reflective questions that we encourage teachers and leaders to use as they kind of do this audit, like Lynn said. You know, do students serve regularly or is it just once in a while? Um, is there a K to 12 or K to 8, whatever you know, grades your school, or even pre-K to 12 or pre-K to 8, is there an, a whole school approach to service that's mm-hmm. intentional and makes sense from the student's perspective and parents understand what it is? So those are some of the evaluative or reflective questions that we like to encourage leaders to do as they do this audit. And when mm-hmm. we talk about tying service to the school's mission, it's a both and, right? It's both academics and spiritual formation right? We're, we're, we're teaching the whole student. We're developing the whole student. And so if we're looking at the whole student, we're talking about integrating service throughout all core programs at the school. So things like that would be indeed service learning, where we're looking at classroom learning and we're looking at out-of-class experiences. So it's much more integrated, much more reflective of, of who we are uh, and who our identity is in Christ. Right. You know, when they do this kind of a self-audit, they're really thinking about their overall portfolio of service opportunities, which again is so critical to our Christian school mission. That's the kind of adult we want to, a young adult we want to deploy into the world, one who is passionate to serve, use their gifting. So this is the starting place for it. Just saying, how are we developing that student? Again, we are not saying, Dan, don't ever go and do a one-off service event. Don't go sing at the, the retirement home unless it directly connects to the curriculum. We're not saying that. We're just saying, be intentional. Look at what yeah. you're doing. And look at how you can get the most out of the limited time and resource you have to serve. The main thing, and I keep saying this word, I feel like a broken record, but be intentional about having students engage in meaningful service, that kind of service that Lynn has already unpacked for us. And that really harnesses the power, the educational power of the school. And it connects curriculum, teacher, student, and service in a really marvelous way. I love that word intentionality. And I think students are going to pick that up as well, that the adults really are excited about what's happening and, and have thought this through. It's not something that's a, a fad or a trend or something we just, just should add on. So as we come to the end of this interview time, wondering if you can kind of leave us with some best advice. What are the key pieces from the book that you'd like to share with teachers and then leaders who are maybe interested in pursuing this idea further or starting a service learning program? in their settings or additional intentionality within their, their school setting. Sure. And, and I'll jump right on the teacher's uh, piece of this. And, and the, the advice I would have to give them is clearly service learning will not work as an add-on. Mm-hmm. For some teachers, that's frightening. Uh, but when they really understand it, I think it's freeing. Because I often find that the first response that teachers have to learning about service learning is loving it. But right on the heels of that is, oh my, how in the world am I going to fit this in? Mm-hmm. And to free teachers right from the get-go to know this, you will need to swap out parts of your curriculum or lesson plans and replace it with service learning. It's not another project you add. It's not another unit you do. It's very carefully evaluating your curriculum and seeing where you can take out what you have been doing and replace it 
with this. You know, in this book, we talk about starting first with your curriculum instead of running out and finding a fun project for students to do. And it's really, really critical that teachers to do this effectively say, what is my curriculum trying to teach? What am I trying to do? What are the outcomes my school is expecting me to produce or elicit in my students this year? And then start thinking about how to make academic connections to possible service opportunities. Um, Mm -hmm. So some good places to start might be a a theme or a unit that has very practical real-world application. It could be an area where, I don't know, students are struggling, where content would be better grasped if it involved hands-on, or places in the curriculum where you know year after year your kids zone out and are bored silly. That is the Mm -hmm. perfect place to throw out the window what you have been doing and, Mm -hmm. you know, insert service learning in its uh, replacement. It could be a place where God could use the knowledge students are learning to directly and overtly meet a need in the community. So those are just some places to start. And for school leaders, you know, we have a whole chapter in the book devoted to supporting service learning. And when we talk with school leaders about service learning, we ask them to think about how their faculty feel about field trips. You know, what sort of what emotions that conjures up for their (laughs) faculty and what are their faculty's sentiments about field trips? You know, things like permission slips, insurance forms, you've got the bus rental and, and so on and so forth. Then after our school leaders think through these things, we say, well, service learning is a lot like a year long field trip. And (laughs) And everybody runs from us. Yeah. 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 But then the (laughs) point being the teacher, you can, you can easily imagine the school leader really needs to provide support for faculty to be able to manage all that. You know, you want your faculty to focus on the curriculum. You want them to focus on the service experience and really um, using reflection to mediate learning between the two. You don't want them to be spending all their time when they could be doing that on those types of activities. You don't want them to lose time to things like permission slips and whatnot. So things like uh, release time for planning or assigning an administrative assistant to help with logistics like the bus scheduling or even calling community service sites. Uh, you know, that administrative support is absolutely crucial if projects are going to be successful. And so that may mean moving some administrative support around to have a designated service learning coordinator. Maybe it's just part-time or part of their schedule. It could be an existing office staff person. Sometimes it could be a faculty member that you're looking to fill out their schedule, could do that role. And then we've also seen Uh, And this goes back to something you said earlier, Dan, it's not just the students and the teachers that get excited about this. A lot of times it's parents, you know, Mm -hmm. the parents hear what their, their students are doing. Um, Parents will often want to go on the service outreaches with their students. And so parents oftentimes will get really excited and want to know how they can help. And so we've seen schools even that have uh, folks in their orbit, if you will, uh, who have ministry experience, who have an administrative experience in a ministry context, and they have extra time to devote to it. So it could even be a parent volunteer that could do some of those things. And the other piece we like to tell school leaders is, if you've never done service learning before, piloting a project is really the way to go. Um, to, to sort of get your feet wet, maybe pick two or three grades or two or three classes to start Start with faculty who are energetic and who really want to do it because eventually those could be your advocates for service learning throughout the mm-hmm. whole school. Um, mm-hmm. And so that way you, you experiment on a small scale. And then when you're ready to do it on a larger scale, you already can take that learning and you have some success under your belt. And then when you're ready to go bigger, 
think about how you're going to roll it out. Is it going to be uh, gradual? Or are you going to do it across multiple grades or classes? What is the target that you're, you're working for? But the most important thing is really to build capacity for service learning because things like professional development for faculty or a learning community mindset around service learning, helping your faculty to be collaborative with one another as they develop projects. So a lot of the things when we think about professional learning communities and schools and the way we'd like to see our faculty working together, service learning both necessitates that and it can also be a driver for that because faculty have to learn how to collaborate with one another. And so it's, it's that great uh, both and. So it really is about building that capacity. And we hope that along those lines, the, books will, the book will really be a useful tool to build that capacity as they build those collaborative teams around service learning. Great. Well, thank you so much, Roger and Lynn, for spending time talking about this today. I have read the book. I think it's a great gift to Christian school teachers and leaders. It's a way to enliven, engage, and connect students to real and significant work that serves others. And it's what we ought to be about as Christian schools. What I like, I think, is it really clarifies what it is, what it isn't. It deepens student engagement. It gives really helpful ways, examples to inspire. And the end of the chapter questions I thought were quite helpful as well to really guide a faculty into action, to guide teachers into action. And then there's a, an assessment section as well, which I thought did a beautiful job of demystifying how to collect helpful data so that you know what was effective and what was not. And I'm very, very grateful for the two of you writing this book and sharing it as a gift of love to the Christian community. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us today as well. Please be sure to check the notes on this podcast for additional resources and references related to today's conversation. Podcast notes can always be found on the ACSI blog at blog.acsi.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the blog again at blog.acsi.org, or you can also subscribe on iTunes. While you're there, rate or review the show and spread the word on social media. Thanks for all that you do to move Christian education forward.